You are listening to The Think Tank, the unofficial NAFO podcast, brought to you by your best brain-damaged dogs and friends. Now please welcome your hosts, Matt, the TWAFO CEO, and Joe Place. Hello and welcome to a first for the Fellas Think Tank podcast where this is our first episode in person and not recording over a nebulous internet device and it is we're sitting outside the British Library. As you can tell this is also the first episode where I'm hosting. Hello everyone. Hi, how are you doing? So uh, Matt, it's good to see you in person. It's quite fun to do this actually instead of sitting behind the computer and uh, editing for a few hours quick going over the fine details of the threads that uh, audacity gives me yeah, yeah. but yeah it's a it's a lovely day out here uh, we're probably in a cafe we're in a cafe so over there there's not too much noise but yeah um it's good the British Library is amazing. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a lot of books in there. Yeah, there's yeah. no no tanks, but we can probably find <laughs> books on tanks. <laughs> How to make them? Who designed them? Where they came from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all in there. Yeah, can can buy a tank, drive it out here, <laughs> give them a permanent sculpture. There's probably a. Um, uh, home defense book on how to destroy them as well so uh, yeah i think they, they were trained on make sticky bombs the, the home defense in world war ii so you'd have guys uh, sort of just doing their work or <laughs> retired and then they get trained how to make sticky bombs in case germany invaded so yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sure the manuals in there as well oh i would imagine the manuals <laughs> yeah. it might be quite useful for some people but i won't say who those are i won't necessarily tell you exactly where those aisles are but they're there yeah, if you need them yeah. <laughs> So, um, we were just going to have a nice chat, but then the bridge blew up. Yeah. Yeah. So, last night, the bridge did something, <laughs> uh, and it is a good morning to everybody but the bridge, <laughs> and this is the second, this is the second time second the Kirsch Bridge yeah, has yeah. had but a I don't promotion. know what's happened to it yet. It just, there's two sections have collapsed. So, let's have a look, see if we can find out what is going on. Um, I like that we're two minutes into the podcast and we're already doing live radio research. <laughs> uh, there's loads of memes about bridges that have sunk. <laughs> Breaking news, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just me. It's basically NAFO taking the mickey. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's no actual news about what happened. I oh, know the trains are still running, but the road, the road sections have um, been destroyed. So I think I saw a picture of a of a sea drone that was on that was adrift so it looks like a surface drone is yeah blowing up from underneath i think so yeah yeah i think that's what's going on there um but of course there's no strategic value so it doesn't matter at all and there's, they'll repair it in a few days there's no strategic value but there's plenty of moral value <laughs> uh, coming out of it it's one of the it's one of the things where the process of modern warfare in this respect is quite amazing because you don't need to sacrifice anyone save a drone to get 
a victory that yeah. is not going to have any strategic value, but it's going to have, you know, moral value for yeah, whatever yeah. that's worth. And in my estimate, yeah. it's actually worth quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> there was a post from um, Wagner complaining that uh, the the Russian governor had said it doesn't matter if, you, if there's a no bridge anymore because you can use our new land regions and then someone pointed out they're all in range of high mars and uh, yeah, 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 yes yeah. it's perfectly safe <laughs> to drive all the way around on <laughs> 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 oh, holiday season it still go as well oh so, that's true it's july it's yeah, july yeah, so, so russians have been said don't cancel your holidays you're more than welcome to come but you just need to go through the donbass to um to get that, ah, so you just need to okay. The typical Russian care for civilians just go through a war zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it is it this is the next stage of war zone tourism? I see. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> and then, yeah. So it's like they're like the mayor from, from Jaws, basically. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. In, enjoy the cheese. It's just it's incredible the lack of the extremes that they will go to to make sure everything is okay and but when everything is not okay in any way shape or form uh, it's just blatant lies yeah yeah yeah, it's just but I I can never work out what benefit it is of doing of doing that no no I can't either I I mean just doubling down on lies it lies and lies and you have to keep doubling down on lies once you double down yeah yeah yeah. and there's no it makes things worse I think yeah yeah. Um, talking about the shark and mayor. <laughs> what else? We? We've managed to annoy everybody, haven't we, over the last couple of weeks, pretty much. Um, so we, have, we annoyed yeah. Navalny's yeah. friends as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, that, that was actually quite enjoyable, too. It's, uh, I was quite in a grumpy mood the other day, and I saw that I start to annoy Navalny's friends yeah. and, you know, complaining about, oh, the West might lose, you know, Ukraine might lose support for the West because of these little dogs making fun of you know fantastic things and it's just (laughs) the absolute because it's not anything serious but the rise that you get out of people it goes to show their true colors I think that's one of the effects that has been quite positive is you can just you can gauge where somebody is based on their response to silliness yeah yeah well oh the foreign ministry um Zakharova, she yeah, made yeah. a she made a statement as well about the shark. Yeah, yeah. Didn't she? I think we should send her some shark pillows. <laughs> well, we're xenophobic, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, we're just like <laughs> promoting not, sharks. Yeah, we're not scared. Yeah. <laughs> if if you waddle around Taiwan, there's these crane games, but yeah. sometimes you can find some sharks in there, and you just put a few coins, and you, you can win a few sharks and just <laughs> send them to Russia on yeah, the next, yeah. uh, on the next yeah, yeah. trip. Yeah, we would definitely do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can post some here, can't we? I wonder if we can make shark-based um, grenades that we can just drop off of the um, drones. <laughs> just start doing that. You know, like, just paint the shark faces on the Yeah, front. yeah, yeah. We'll definitely yeah. do that. I, I, I mean, on a more serious level, the, the shark also shows, because it, it was a meme for a bit, and we got, there's a, if you don't follow him already, you should. Uh, he's a Ukrainian YouTuber, and... Uh, he's on Twitter as well, Freonis. Freonis, yes. Yeah. Uh, I forget his handle. It's it, But yeah, if you just... Freonis and then an underscore. Underscore, that's yeah. it. Okay. Uh, F-R-E-E-O-N-I-S. Yeah, that's it. And underscore. And 
the meme was kind of dying out, and he did this really incredible skit with it. Ah, that's my, I think that's my favorite skit he did. You know about the shark attacking and nego- trying to negotiate a ceasefire. Yeah, and the pope, the pope. Inter- in- <laughs> pope tries to intervene. <laughs> so you can have peace with the shark. And it just kind of shows. It's a very, it's a hilarious video, and I've shown it to like everybody I know. Like, oh, I love it. I, I have a yeah, two-minute yeah. skit to show you real yeah, quick, yeah. Uh, and it's really good at making the point. And then that led to more people having a fit over the shark, and not that skit, yeah. but it kind of. The meme was kind of dying. It came out again. Because they had a fit over it. If they had said nothing... That would have been it. That would have been it. Yeah. And yeah, now we have shark forks and uh, forks with sharks. Shark. Sharkified forks. Yeah. It's really... Their propaganda is quite... Terrible. It's bad. It's bad. But I think they were only expecting this to last for a few days. Yeah, yeah. Last year. And but they've, so they obviously had a plan. We're going to say this, we're going to do that. And then the time has gradually increased. Yeah, yeah. And then they can't say anything else apart from the stuff that they've already said. Yeah. And so they have to recycle it every so yeah, often. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have to. They're, chase, they're trying to chase the fire. Mm. They're trying to really chase chase yeah. the fire instead yeah. of uh, getting ahead of it. Yeah. But I don't I don't get why people still believe it. it that's the part that really boggles yeah. my mind is how... And that part is scary, but I think more seriously, yeah. like, it is just really, really a lot of top-tier rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to, so another thing is the, is the guests on their podcast. So Scott Ritter comes back every single time and you know when the person doing the interviewing is working for Russia he turns up yeah and who t- RFK and so we got him to delete his tweet <laughs> just by posting the guy's criminal record underneath yeah but as soon as he arrived you know why would you ever support him because he is working for Russia yeah and yeah uh, the I'm not sure who they're trying to attract anymore and I, now I do have a theory on this um yesterday i i should not dox myself like this but i was listening to things yesterday at important places with important people and uh i do think that there is some level where the point is is to put out the extreme ideas and to Mm -hmm. shift the overton window and so what the propaganda is trying to do is if and i'm not even sure if this is intentional but it might become the actual Mm -hmm. effect if we're not careful is by shifting the Overton window to the very extreme where every Ukrainian is Nazi, yeah, yeah, Zelensky yeah. has cocaine, etc. It's so really the extreme, just like complete fabrication is an insanity. You shift the window enough so that the Navalny-type positions, the liberal Russian positions, the you know half-genocidal positions suddenly look sane. And so by shifting the Overton yeah, yeah, window, yeah. you accidentally create or you intentionally create where yep. these are now permissible so, discussion so the, points. The, so the truth and what is actually going on seems the opposite extreme. Yeah. When it's actually, that is the fact. Yes. So it's, they're shifting the discussion out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess you see that on the, we saw it on Brexit, um, Trump, Scottish independence, the climate change stuff, yeah, everything yeah. that has a Russian tinge to it has done that where they've shifted both sides to the extremes yeah 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 Yeah, because what i heard somebody say who is very smart person and who is not they were pro-ukrainian and talking to them they were they recognized you know everything but they did advocate for peace before justice is that peace was more important than justice which is 
an absolutely wild idea to me how you can say that but and that concerns me that very serious people who are not necessarily pro-russian yeah that is now the permissible discussion point in yeah, the intelligentsia yeah. circles yeah and that is concerning to me yeah yeah they they've, they've taken this <clears throat> the message that any any civilian deaths are now unacceptable so you have yeah, to give yeah. in yes basically yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. they're saying yeah 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 and it's that's the RFK message, basically, isn't it? That's where that's where he's. I think with so. a bit of bio labs thrown in. You <laughs> got the bio labs again. He, had, he actually had a meltdown about that. Oh, so is, got, is that back again? Yeah, so he, it was um, a couple of days ago. I think he um, he got caught on video saying that the that COVID was um, designed to um, target. Um, Caucasian people and black people oh dear. but leave Chinese and Jewish people alone though that's it's, not true <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's it's designed true. yeah so it's been effectively a, a bioweapon yeah. and it was proof that the US was making um, weaponized viruses to target different ethnic groups it was in, according to him was it made in Ukraine <laughs> might as well that, yeah. that might be the next point yeah, yeah next next week's video stay around stay tuned and then all of his fans underneath are going ah oh, it's a smear he, you know it's a smear by the, the liberal whatever and yeah. you go he's on video he says it how can it be a, he literally says it and they're going no and what he said it I, I don't yeah I don't I guess we can shift because uh we're a bit of, our last podcast was two weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a while. So I guess RFK is still around. Yeah. And uh, I fear he won't go away. So I've been in places and RFK, in places where RFK <clears throat> is unfortunately much more popular than I uh, mm. imagined. And I don't get why, because he says the most insane things. But I'm curious if it's an effect of like, he says just so much stuff that a people people latch on to don't latch on to his ideas yes they just latch on to like the little talking points that they agree with the mm. populist talking points uh i don't I, I don't get how he's running under a democrat 12. label i don't yeah so he was one of the top 12 super spreaders of covid misinformation in the world that's insane so they, they found yeah, yeah. the root it was about 10 or 12 people he was one of them so he is the founder, effectively, of this yeah. misinformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's just perfectly okay for him to just stand as a democratic candidate. I, I, I don't... And this goes to my general confusion of what's happening in America right now. Yeah. But I don't understand how he can gain so much popularity and how he can continue just pushing the most insane ideas. And especially where the anti-vax stuff comes in. I'm not sure how that has gained so much popularity and staying point. In the United States, yeah, yeah. I really don't get it. I actually, so I I think I can tell this story safely on here. Um, I was in an airport uh, leaving the United States, and uh, it was you know just summer travels, and I was grabbed by an anti-vaxer, <laughs> and I got like prayed over for the COVID vaccine demons, like physically grabbed and got prayed over for the COVID vaccine demons to leave me. I don't know why the guy out at me, but I couldn't leave. There is, there's something about a new alien species being created by the vaccine or some Mogadonians or something like that. Ma- Macedonians? No, Mogadonians. Mogadonians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Maga- this is Magadonians? what I need to check. This is what I need to check. 
but yeah, this guy was just, I mean, he, he did the whole round of conspiracies with me, the whole, like, we went through everyone, and then I, con- I confused him greatly when I told him that uh, I did not have Pfizer or Moderna, and that I uh, had the uh, Medigen, which was the Taiwanese vaccine that they made, and that confused him a bit, and I saw him, <laughs> I saw him lose track, and he didn't know where to go with his script after that. <laughs> Oh, here we go. I've done my first. Increasingly convinced that COVID was engineered by aliens. There we go. Um, yeah, aliens, hologram aliens. Yeah, aliens. Yeah, COVID aliens. If you're fed up with lockdowns, watch everyone. Aliens will be after you. COVID. Um, oh my God. COVID wasn't a virus. It's like, oh my God. How does just to stop i yeah uh how do we how did we get yeah rfk 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 yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see what his next talking points are well he's already started to drop ukraine in um so he started off being oh no we should go for peace and now he's he's starting to become more extreme and he's saying so you can see him great i think he's going to gradually drift over to the the madder side of things just to get the the attention of yeah it. yeah so i mean i'm just trying to think what he's been saying so was, the last things he's been saying is he wants to pull out of nato yeah um just withdraw everything from ukraine so he said that off apparently off the record of this video um, so that was on that so yeah you can see where it's going. yeah yeah it very much reminds me of um first movement with Charles Lindenberg. Mm. Now I think uh, RFK seems a little bit more um, extreme than Lindenberg was but yeah, if, you, if you're not familiar with that, uh, it might be an interesting research. I, I made a visit to the Holocaust Museum when I was in the US and uh, it's a, I don't want to call it a brilliant museum. It's uh, if you haven't gone, you should go. Um it's a very important museum. I think important is the right word. It's a very important museum, but there's a uh, terrifyingly prescient exhibit there now about the response from Americans before World War II. And there are repeating themes in the way that the media and politicians are covering the response Mm. from really really horrible totalitarian states and the way that they responded to Nazi Germany with trying to look away until you could not look away anymore yeah and um, <clears throat> one thing I've been surprised about here is the both sides yeah yeah so, so on, the, on the Guardian and everything they'll say Russia has said blah and you go that's clearly politics yeah yeah why are you even bothering to say that? And they yes. just repeat it verbatim. Yes. Exactly what they say. Yes. And you can't do... You sh- they should not be doing that. I... I don't get that part either, but I guess it doesn't surprise me because they did... They, I watched them firsthand do it with Hong Kong mm. where the police reports were almost entirely fictional stories from what happened the mm. night before. They just wrote... They just wrote jolly good fiction and, mm. you know, passed it up to their commanders and that was repeated and then the... Western papers just took that and repeated it. Yeah. And so I'm not surprised that they're doing the same thing where they just are both sides. Yeah. I've watched uh, WAPO, New York Times, do that before. 
the morning of the uh, Novokova Dam mm. exploding, uh, the New York Times ran on the front page, if you logged on. Um, I, now, I'm not sure if the New York Times, like, if you log on to certain websites, mm. they'll have, like, a different edition. I was logging in from Asia, so... Yeah. I, had, I might have had a different version, but the headline story on the front page was Nazis in Ukraine. And I had a horrible rest of the day. Um, yeah. But it's just astonishing yeah. the way that they just have both sides and yeah. normalized. They, they still do it with, um, with the pipeline as well. It's fairly obvious what happened there. Yeah. But we've never got to the bottom of what happened there. No. There's just no evidence. Or no. That's what they say. Yeah. And well, we, it's well known what happened. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they've seen the boat sort of hovering over the pipe. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. So, I mean, it just matches my entire experience that I've just spent the entire year being horrified <laughs> by, what, by what people are, are capable of doing. And yeah, nothing, nothing has changed. Nothing, they, nothing. They don't yeah. seem to have learned at all. It's you know, it's quite astonishing. the The source that I've become more reliant on is actually Bloomberg. Yeah, and I mean, Bloomberg's a fairly, I think. Some people don't like Bloomberg for they're an elitist magazine or mm. news source, but they've actually done a pretty good job at not not both mm. sidings, not both sidings thing, uh, which is surprisingly refreshing for mm. what some of their coverage yeah, has yeah. been in the past. Okay. But uh, they their headlines have usually been a bit better uh, instead of you know compared to New York Times or New York Times will lead with. Uh, Ukraine escalates war uh, is the is the editorialized line yeah. before getting on with the rest of them. I guess yeah, that's yeah. all anybody reads is the headline. Yeah. Bloomberg will lead with something like, you know, uh, two people killed in Kiev, yeah. uh, which is a much, you know, more yeah, accurate yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so headline. You, I was just having a look. Um, whenever you look on the um, Guardian, yeah. Let's see what we've got. That's just, there you go. That's not too bad. No, so at the time today is the 17th of July, and the headline is Russia-Ukraine war live, two killed in Crimean bridge explosion, Russia pulls out of Black Sea deal. There you go. And But the first person who they quote... Is the governor of Russia's Belgorod. Yeah, yeah. From Telegram. Not even from report, from Telegram. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> what, is, what is the point? Yeah, yeah. So that's the headline, which is okay. But then it's just, they've just cut and paste the statement from a Russian government official from Telegram. Yeah. I could do that. I could too. Yeah. We, oh. we could do that. And In we, fact, we do. We do do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've just done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is the point? What? Excellent journalism <laughs> these days, eh? Yeah. But yeah. That's yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a disaster it's just awful um, but sun is out yeah the sun is out it's a beautiful day here yeah. so there's um, still there's still Ukrainian flags over Whitehall yep. which is nice to see yeah. there's, there's some in my hometown as well yeah. um, and in my pub they've got stickers on the window so, oh yeah. that's that's yeah, good, good. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic yeah 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 um, I think we're is there anything else we want to talk about? I don't think so. We've talked a lot of copium already. Do you have any yeah. specific copium to go over? It's just the shark, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's the shark. the shark. I think it's the shark. <laughs> you can't... <laughs> the foreign ministry making a statement yes. about 
specifically about reefer and sharks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and it. That's the I, win, isn't I, it? I think so. I mean, I won't be surprised if we get something more, you know, more coke yeah. eventually that's even greater than that, want, but it'll be quite I want hard. Putin. I want Putin to make it, to mention us in his, one of his speeches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's specifically sharks would be awesome. <laughs> Oh, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. That would be good. I think I need to get ready to go for my train soon. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, been a good one. Yeah, it's been good. We'll have a second half after this, and we will see you on the other side. And there you go. Bye-bye for now. Thank you. Hello. Tonight will be another warm summer evening with cool drinks and starry skies for most of us. However, it will only be another night of missiles and perseverance for Ukrainians. You can make an immediate difference and help the expediting of Muscovites from Ukraine by donating tonight's drink money to Ukraine. A few quid or dollars at u24.gov.ua will go a long way to saving lives and ensuring a free Ukraine. Thank you, and now enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, and welcome back to the second part of this podcast. So in the 30 seconds that you have listened to whatever ad of the week that we have inserted, I have taken multiple flights. I am back in Taiwan. And I am now joined by Joe. Hello, Joe. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. I also have traveled a lot since that recording because when did you do that recording? What date was it? I don't even remember. My mind is totally scrambled because of just the amount of traveling and the time zone shifts and losing days, (laughs) gaining days. Okay. I mean, I've not traveled that far, but yeah, I, this past month I went camping in the mountains i went to budapest i came back to ukraine and then i went back to england and then i came back yesterday morning so i'm also a bit frazzled um yeah so it's been an action-packed month for me (laughs) yeah so if you're curious why we have not had many episodes recently this is kind of the podcast break month for a lot of people because we have been doing a lot of traveling and we'll uh We'll talk about that, I think, uh, more just kind of what you can expect from us this August and heading into early autumn. But uh, we'll address that at the end of the podcast. When Matt and I were talking, we had the shark episode and we talked a lot about sharks and the Navalny opposition. And we've had a lot of, oh, and then uh, the Crimean Bridge uh, had another incident and since then, though, there has been a lot of news. What is the lead story for you, Joe, this week? It's, that's a really difficult question, actually, I would say, because there is, there is generally a lot going on. And it's not, okay, the bridge, obviously, that was very much a big, exciting event. But I feel there's been a lot in terms, of, I, for me... The biggest thing on the political level, I think I'm still quite interested and worried about this whole grain situation, the whole grain deal. I think that's a difficult situation and frustrating. And the attacks on Odessa the other week and 
there's been a lot of more civilian attacks lately. That has been quite prominent in my mind, I would say, among a whole load of other stuff that's been going on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, the grain shipping has been something that is very interesting because I've been reading Bloomberg a lot and it's been very front and center there. They have, I forget who wrote it, but they had an opinion piece even that NATO, that requesting NATO to use their forces to protect and why this is both ethical and financially. And it, it basically, there's every reason in the book that NATO should use mm-hmm. their vessels to protect NATO, to protect Ukrainian grain shipments. Uh, apologies, my cat is going to attempt to co-host with us. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was not at such a serious moment. Um, but very there's... strong opinions, you know, it's a passionate cat. <laughs> He's a very passionate cat, as I think uh, some Ukrainian cats are. I, I think I might bring up a story about cats and copium, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, uh, but yes, the, the attacks on the civilians also have ramped up. And with this, I have seen a more i've continued to be disappointed in the way that some newspapers are handling this because there is the headlines have been ukraine it's been leading with the leading noun is ukraine and not russia attacks civilians it's about ukraine increasing their offense or the ukrainian offensive is failing and i'm not i cannot quite get my head around why and i'm I will name names. It's been the BBC, it's been Washington Post, and it's been the New York Times. And they have been the three culprits throughout this. And it's extremely frustrating. It is. I think there is this just really passive language. Like, it's very much like, we saw it before in America, didn't we? You know, like, uh, person killed by cop. Not even that, it's even worse. You know, it's very passive, like, um, they died and a policeman happened to be there. It's, it's like a policeman shot someone, right? But they can't say it like that. They always twist it around to make it sound very passive. And yeah, we're just saying Ukraine's bombed on consecutive night. It's like, yeah, but who's doing the bombing? Why don't you just say? Why Why can't you say? You know, generally, you're not exactly Russia today. You're, you're generally broadly on the side of Ukraine in your reporting. They're not, you know, these aren't massively contrarian things i mean they have some questionable writers we can talk about that for sure but i mean generally you know these are western news outlets and you think they would be sympathetic and yet they seem bent on very questionable reporting uh we saw the same with gherkin which was another piece of news which really interested me getting arrested in russia which i'm amazed it took so long to be honest with you and you know calling him a critic of russian of, of putin and it's like that's burying the lead a bit right you he's not just a critic he's a nationalist critic he he wanted more war it's it's just very strange you know you could have just put a qualifier pro war or um hardcore nationalist critic you know there's something to qualify it i mean most people by now know who he is and if you don't know who he is you're probably gonna breeze glaze over that article but still i think you do have an obligation to having accurate headlines and i'm not saying you should be clickbaity overly emotive i understand that 
but it's just yeah, it really frustrates me just the quality of reporting we see when it comes to Ukraine and Russia and all of this. I googled Gherkin arrest it, and I get well, I I get a bunch of clickbait YouTube videos from people who have no. I don't know these people. Uh, the Guardian, Russia arrests pro-war Putin critic Igor Gherkin. Okay, that's, uh, that's that, not so bad. That's not so bad. That, that, that's not a bad line, I feel. That's that's okay. Uh, I mean, he was a war criminal, but okay. He's, you know, he, it, he did a bit more. Than yes. A, yes. Uh, let's see. CNN, Igor Gherkin, Russian blogger who called Putin a lowlife. Blogger? He was... What? <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> As if like he's just been blogging, you know. It's like, hang on a minute. This is someone who is responsible for the downing of the Malaysia flight. Is responsible for the war in 2014 in Donbass and the and the fact that the, the, that the DNI LNR kind of were formed. And it's just oh, he's a blogger. I mean, in a way, it's kind of funny. I think he must, must he must be annoyed. Like that's all I'm going to be remembered by as a blogger. But it's just so, oh, who's writing these articles? I guess that's the problem, isn't it? You probably get passing this on to interns who probably don't know everything about the situation. And they just go, oh, he's a blogger. All right. And, oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is intern season, to be honest. Uh, I hate to pick on interns because I've been there myself. But yeah, it blame, is intern I season. I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I yeah, the yeah. For not, funded, not paying their staff, not giving them the resources, not hiring the right people. And, oh. It's often, I found it's often the editorial lines because I pick on the New York Times a lot because I expect them to be better. They are the paper of record. And I, that's why I pick on them so much. And I find that often once you get into an article, it's a little bit better, but the editorializing is just uh, one of, one of my, speaking of bullets and uh, they once had a tweet about the bullet that killed a uh, Israeli-Palestinian journalist. Oh yes, I and this. yeah, 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 yeah. And I think once you read the article, it was more. It was not so bad, but the editorializing and the Twitter, their Twitter team, who I imagine is the editorial staff, and the one-liner headlines are they need to do better because that's all people read. People don't read past the headlines uh people don't look past you know more than 30 seconds they'll read the top two paragraphs and decide that they don't need they don't want to invest the time in reading the full story or they feel like they've gotten enough of the picture and they have to click over to the next story the power that that editors have i wish they realized it i guess that's my soapbox for the week i guess it's also it is a problem in this Newspapers have always editorialized. That's nothing new. But I do feel in this social media age, it's and the algorithms and clicks and how important that is and hate clicks. It doesn't matter, right? That it, it the system it almost rewards this poor quality journalism. I suppose ultimately. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I mean, but we have political. You know, some more headlines: pro-war nationalist and okay, so he's pro-war and Putin's scourge. Igor Gherkin held on extreme and extremism charges. You don't need to feel bad for him. It's he's not a saint being held on some made up charges. He's a war criminal. And but at the same time, he isn't being charged for being a war criminal. He's being charged because he criticized Putin. And that's the fun. That's that is something weird about this. Uh, Because Navalny came out with that thing that, you know, 
he should be free. And it's like, well, I suppose on one level, he is being charged probably on nonsense because Pooh doesn't like him. But it was that was a very weird moment as well. I don't know. I, I, actually, Navalny did that as well because he, he, later on he was like, yes, he is a monster. He should be in prison. I don't know. I, I didn't think that was the worst thing. But yeah, I, I, you should. We, should I, the, we, we don't need to feel sympathy for him. You can go. Putin was was doing this on nonsense just because he's self interested, whilst also going. But also, he is a monster, and he probably should be in prison anyway. But for something else, and probably not a Russian prison. <laughs> you know, he should be at the. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting some proper justice, I think, and, and that I guess leads to my second uh, soapbox of the week is that the peaceniks have been really irritating me lately um <laughs> and i guess this comes from just like we are both i mean you're in ukraine we are both been ta- paying great amounts of attention to this for about a year and oh well over over a year now but i cannot fathom i cannot understand the peaceniks right now or the people who are saying oh it's not that bad or the people who are still sympathizing for Oh, those poor Russian boys going to the front lines. You know, it's it's utter nonsense. And I can't. What's going on, Joe? Like, <laughs> I, I feel a bit loony. Like, um, yeah, like you can. I think there's nothing wrong with going. I wish these people weren't dying. Like, if you say in a general sense, there's absolutely yes. yes. In an ideal world, yes. these kids shouldn't. Well, not just kids, is this, but these men shouldn't have been died. Yeah, absolutely. But I have. I, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I have sympathy for them. I do commend those who ha- who do actually, you know, defect, do the right thing and stuff like that. But yeah, the, the, it's an interesting one because I've, I've also, you know, you see these videos where Ukrainians show incredible humanity to prisoners. You, uh, I, I've talked to some Ukrainians and some of them go, actually, I don't hate all of them. I want them to go. I don't feel bad when they die, but ultimately I don't hate them. And I'm actually really impressed with their level of humanity and i think it is important not to lose humanity however i also understand especially for ukrainians and those who have been very directly impacted in the war being like i don't care i really have very little energy to feel sorry for these people and even if you might have an semblance of, of, of feeling sorry for them it doesn't mean i want a ceasefire just to give up like right it's like, i'm sorry like you know you could say world war ii probably a shame some of these germans died but it was the right thing we killed them right and like, it's just it's just how it is it's it's bombing dresden was like yeah okay lots of these died was it possibly necessary for the war yeah maybe i don't know it's it's, a, it's war it's horrible and you have to you have to do horrible things to survive it's I don't know what people think war is. I think I think it's easy for people who have sat far away from war in, in very good safety. You know, Britain, America, we have not been under threat of like an invasion many, many years. OK, World War Two. And those people who were in World War Two are, die, are dying out. There's not many of them left. Right. I think just we've just forgotten that safety and security and relative freedom you know notwithstanding the issues in our countries can be lost that you do have to fight for it and, and that is something that eastern europeans and i think other people in other parts of the world like i imagine quite a lot of people in asia do also you know, i can imagine people in hong kong and taiwan are probably quite sympathetic to this and people in vietnam weirdly if that's a weird one because some of them are pro-russian because of history but you know what i mean there is a history more recent of you know standing up and fighting for your freedom and accepting that it means people are going to die and we can't just sit around and focus on them. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, so roundabout way, what is going on? I think it's a combination of people either acting in bad faith and just using it as a way to just diminish support for Ukraine, or some people are just so naive, really, about war and what it means to fight. And it feels too far away from them. I think that's that's my answer for this, why people are being this frustrated. I think I would agree with you entirely. It's the, I have recently, uh, and about the same time the past year, due to my own dissertation and whatnot, have taken a, re- a renewed interest in the Second World War. And it does strike me. One of the things that I've seen there is that the American and not to pick on all of our uh, lovely American listeners, but during the Second World War, they were more disconnected. They were still, there was, you know, many, many of them wanted to fight the Nazis and the Japanese empire, but there is a bigger disconnect between what was going on. And there were sometimes more frustration among American communities than there were British communities uh, because of the Blitz. And the right. very direct threat of the V2. By the way, uh, I got I got a chance to visit the Imperial War Museum. I spent way I, I did not get through the entire thing. Um, <laughs> this is a bit of a side topic, but they have a V2 rocket there. These rockets, yeah. and I suggest if you if you're anywhere near a flight museum or a, a war museum. And now I think I'm a bit preaching to the choir for who's going to be listening to this. But even if you have not been in a while, I recommend going. These are massive rockets. The direct threat of destruction from these rockets and from the missiles that are... Now, I'm not a munitions expert, but... These are not small things that do a little bit of destruction that are hitting Ukrainian civilian structures. Uh, The V-2 rocket is massive. And you can imagine that the shrapnel and the destruction that that causes. And my, my point of bringing this up is that that is a very, very direct threat. It is you, it's an intimidating threat that you do not feel that safety. And it's not only the military and the size of the munitions and the size and as a civilian you don't really have defense there's a reason that civilians are protected is you're a non-combatant but it's also the more direct cultural threat of what the russians and what the kremlin is wants to do to ukraine is that it's not only a threat to your way of life in a physical sense, it's a threat of your way to life and the way that you existentially view the world it is absolutely an existential cri- uh, war that Russia wants to wipe the Ukrainian identity from the map and replace it with a, a more imperial Russian identity. And I'm not sure if that's a common view or if I have more of a, uh, if I'm a little bit more towards reading this as a neo-imperial war because of uh, threats to Taiwan and where I live, and I might be projecting a bit there. But it's I see this as very an existential war too. And that is something that, that's what scares me more because that's not only, if I die, I am willing to sacrifice myself for Taiwan. But 
I know that I will sacrifice myself because there will be others who will carry on the cultural memories. Right. And, and the threat of losing that is bigger to me because there will be no more democracy. There will be no more hope for a free Ukraine. And I think once you think about it that way, I would hope some of these uh, quote unquote peaceniks would really start to think a little bit differently. I think that's a really important point you've touched on in that <clears throat> countries like Ukraine, I think Taiwan, I think a lot of Eastern Europe, probably many others uh, in the world who have especially been victims of colonialism, imperialism in different periods, I've always felt a sense of insecurity in their identity. And their identity changes, right? Even the Ukrainian identity say, let's so say the common Ukrainian identity say 20 years ago um, would, be, would probably be quite different tonight, today. The, the, the irony being that you know, Russia has actually fostered a more adamantly anti-Russian Ukrainian identity since 2014, really. That, I wouldn't say it was a minority, but it definitely wasn't everyone. Um, and, and it's changed because identities change in how you view the world. But there's, but nonetheless, everyone in Ukraine, whether they were, even if they were relatively pro-Russian or okay with them, still most or mo most people, according to data, did consider themselves Ukrainian in some way. Uh, I went a little bit off topic there, but I think it's important to note. So, yes, in these sorts of countries, your identity, there's an insecurity in your identity, and I don't think people in like Britain and France and America quite understand what it's like to do that. You know, there are many of you, you are safe, uh, you've not historically been oppressed. I mean, what was the last time Britain actually successfully invaded was, um, uh, what, by land completely, I guess we could say... 1066 i mean we had the glorious revolution we had the spanish armada which attempted to invade but yeah we, we've not had that and the english identity has never been like quashed or anything like this um obviously it gets a bit more complicated when we talk about things like scotland and wales and ireland in the british context but um yeah i, I just don't think people can understand that and that desire to keep your identity going. And I think especially because people who do say the English identity is under threat in Britain tend to be racists. Yeah. And I think it's hard for people to understand that this is a decolonial view. This is not saying we are better to other people. It's just, hey, we would like to continue our language and our identity and our culture. You know, it's not necessarily, there might be some people who are like ethno uh, racists and you know who want to just a, a racially pure idea of whatever country we're talking about but most people are okay with it it's an identity you know many people in ukraine have roots from other countries especially under the soviet union right because people moved around or, or i know people here who are very proudly ukrainian but they say oh but my dad's side actually a russian or here i am in zakopatia's people say oh well my mom was a slovakian or my dad was a hungarian and or jewish or whatever and there's, there's all these mixes and they all can interplay within under the, the modern Ukrainian identity. But yeah, it is a sense of fragility that I don't think other people can understand. And that idea of wanting to sacrifice yourself for this idea of your state, of your people to continue, is something many people won't understand. Yeah, and I think it's also the ability and the freedom to choose your identity because 20 years from what's 20 this is 2023 you know is 20 years ago it was 2003 um 
I'm going to bet there are people who are listening to this. If we have younger listeners, you may have just been like a year old there. It was a vastly different world. And in 20 years, in 2043, it's going to be a vastly different Ukraine. It's going to be a vastly different Taiwan. But the hope is, is that they have both Taiwan, Ukraine, I hope Hong Kong, etc. will all have the freedom to choose what identity they hold. Um, and that's that's what is important to to me is that they have the freedom to choose what direction their country takes, and they're not beholden to some, you know, imperial overlord sitting in the Kremlin who needs to feel good about his ego. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. What else has been going on? Um, Rigozin, let's talk about that. So I actually never got to talk about the, the <laughs> who attempt stroke mutiny. Um, what a day that was, though. My God, what a day that was. Just glued to the phone absolutely every, all the time. I was out with friends and I just took on the role of, okay, I'm just going to be the, the, the phone scroller. Okay, sorry, I'm on the phone. No, like, no, 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 tell us what's going on. And yeah, we were just, we were just, I was just keeping an eye on everything. And then when it sort of deflated, it was at seven o'clock, like, oh, he's going back. It was like, oh. But I don't even know what's going on now because he, yeah, he was in that weird tent, went to Belarus and then went back to Russia. And on one level, he's getting condemned by the state press. But then on the other hand, he seems to have a cushy deal. I I honestly, I can't offer much insight because I just, I'm just so bewildered by everything. Um, Lukashenko on the phone dealing with it. I, I just like, what this, this isn't right. What is, what, what does, what? I, I can't make sense of what's going on. And I don't know what's going next. There's all these rumors that Wagner are going to attack Poland. I think this is misdirection. I really don't see that. They're stupid, but surely they're not that stupid, right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Like, I don't think, I honestly, so I have, I was actually out to dinner at the same time too. And I noticed like, oh, there's a coup going. And I was like, oh, was this just some, you know, is this just some OSINT accounts just reposting from Telegram yeah. about a coup, a coup, a coup. And and then I start to realize, oh, no, there's actually a coup going on. And uh, there is like, Prigozhin is trying something very um, unexpected here. And... Yeah, because he's just so interrupt, but he, he had done this before, you know. Remember that video before, like, where's the ammo? They always argue, then they come to an agreement. A lot of it sort of shut. It's, it's kind of been a bit of a performance and a way to get things through him. And I think a lot of people before were, you know, it was very much cried, the, the boy who cried wolf people going, oh, he's going to coup, he's going to break away. And he didn't. This time, they were like, oh, he's going to Moscow. He, he's actually there. Like, what? They so, yeah. So, yeah, carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. It, it was just very much, yeah. Because there's always these like little OSINT accounts. Then somebody will amplify it, and then it turns out that OSINT account is actually like a troll just trying to, you know, messy the information system. So, it's so I'm always, always a little bit skeptical because Prigozhin is always trying to muddy the information, you know, the information space. He was an early adopter of that, uh, and then he did it. And then I have no idea what's going on. I, I have no idea. I guess he was pictured close to um, a close to the African Russian summit, the African Russo yes. summit. Yeah, uh, I have many no people attended, from what I understand. Yeah. So, as a side note to this, Kenya did not attend, and they were uh, hacked by 
the anonymous Sudan, which is Kilnet in a trench coat, uh, trying to be anonymous Sudan, uh, or trying to pretend to be Sudanese, which is interesting that Russia is seems to be trying to force some African countries to ally with them, but that's for a different that that's yeah. that uh, is a bit different subject. But yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on with Prigozhin. I'm not a hundred percent sure if he knows what's going on. He honestly might be waking up day to day and right. Is today my last day? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is today my last day? Do I want you know? He might be do- choosing his plans for his war or for Wagner the way that he would choose if he's having coffee or tea. Yeah, I, it's. I, I'm completely dumbfounded by it. Yeah. I'm, I, I I'm a mad loss. I think it's honestly, it's better to do that than just to wildly speculate, which a lot of people love to do, and. I don't know what's going on. I'm not in Putin's head. I'm not in Prigozhin's head. Uh, and like you say, there is always so much disinformation around it. Sometimes it's better just to wait and see. Um, I, I, you know, from what I saw, my hunch was initially Putin will keep him far away. Uh, you know, Belarus, but not that far, you know, because obviously he can't stand. I did find it funny that he chose to back with Shoigu and Gerasimov because to him, loyalty is way more important than competence. It is quite funny. He had an opportunity to get rid of them, get someone competent in. No, 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 no. I mean, in a way, that's quite a good outcome for Ukraine to keep these absolutely inept people yes. in power. Um, yes. I do. Has it broken something in the um, in the social contract of Russia? Some people have said so, possibly. The most interesting thing I found, which happened actually before the coup, like a few days, was when. Prigozhin was on camera saying this whole eight years of bombing Donbass was a lie. The Nazis in Ukraine thing was a lie. Basically saying all the Russian propaganda was a lie. And he admitted to that. The same as Igor Gherkin did, right? And I think this is so, this is actually quite important because it shows that the actual people who are pro-Russian but not in the Kremlin where they kind of have to toe the line will readily admit this. And so when like Western journalists will copy these things or say, well, that's their view. They are swallowing propaganda wholesale. There is not an element of truth to this. And they ha- I, I talked about this with Matt in one of our last episodes, you know, but I just think it's so interesting that you don't have, now we've got it on record, you don't have to go far to debunk these claims now when you've got people who were there who have been fighting in Ukraine <laughs> saying it's nonsense. And I think, I just think that's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's one of the things we might dedicate a full episode to this, but uh, I I call it the unreality machine, and it's very much Russia is an unreality machine right now. They have muddied the information space so much that I'm not sure if they know what reality is. That these pro, you know, they'll admit, and I'm sure Prigozhin does, but. You know the uh, the opposition in air quotes who have to toe the line, like you said, they live in an unreality machine. Well, I'm not sure if they actually know what way to choose because they're in an. Uh, there's just this unreality machine, and they are choosing to believe in this myth of Russian imperial excellence. Uh, and I think it's imperative of journalists. Uh, this goes back to what we were talking about when we opened this segment, but journalists should call out yes. bull 
uh, I, I was about to break my own no swearing rule. Uh, journalists should call out propaganda when it is propaganda. You do not have a, as, as a journalist, you have a duty to call out propaganda. You do not have a duty to say, well, this is their view. This is when their view is an unreality machine. You have the duty to say that it is an unreality machine and it is, it is propaganda. You have that duty. You don't have to mention both sides. You don't have to give the Wagner point of view because maybe Wagner can help. No, they make up lies for a living. They're just, they're, the, the war crimes that we have documented on Wagner are horrific. And it's incredible how much detail we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Wagner is a criminal enterprise and the amount of people making excuses for it is or presenting their point of view astounds me it really astounds me yeah there's just such a frustration with these sort of journalists and quasi experts and i mean i have a lot of thoughts of state expertise even pro-ukrainians sometimes like pseudo experts actually don't really just regurgitate nonsense as well, or just whatever they think sounds popular that also really annoys me but i think i could talk about that for many hours and i won't this time <laughs> um i wait so we had pregos and we touched a little bit on the grain deal just saying it uh, okay so go back to the grain deal actually so yeah as you said i think there is there is a justification of some kind for some form of intervention because in fact i i, I don't know the, the thing you've read but i'm imagining it's on the grounds that First of all, this grain will stop people, you know, and food will stop people, you know, dying and starving around the world. It will, it will, it will, and even there will be direct knock on. There'll be knock knock on effects. So even if one country gets it, the, the shortages, like bombing all that grain in the desert, that will cause a shortage somewhere, and that will cause prices to go up and supply chain problems, right? So economically, there's a problem. Morally, there's a problem because you're stopping people dying and you're helping Ukraine actually like export and have a functioning economy. Um, and you can argue that you know these aren't combatants, right? It's not. You can go even from a even if you're very much skeptical of Western intervention, which, whatever. Um, we, this isn't. These are. We're talking about getting food out. Come on, like, I don't know. It just seems a real no-brainer. Whether to what form this intervention takes, I don't know. I'm sure there's a range of options. Um, uh, yeah, it just seems like Russia is really trying to blackmail. It, uh, some people are saying it's to them so they could get back onto SWIFT uh, because that was one of the deals they were considering at one point. Uh, I don't know. Russia seems really desperate at the moment, attacking civilians a lot more, doing this grain thing. The, the nuclear power plant just really disappeared. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I, I don't really know what happened there. That was a very weird thing. Um it went from it will happen in a few days to okay it seems it's not going to happen and were ukraine trying to exaggerate things was russia did russia know it was stupid was there something behind the scenes we don't know i don't know i don't know it was just really weird it was a good it was a really side relief for me though i will say um yeah it just seems like there's constant things and the the, the going back to the like you know, social media and trolls there has been a real push lately again you know we always get these little flare-ups I don't know, maybe it's Wagner's little operation back and running now. Uh, they, they always do more when they're doing badly. And I think that's very interesting. Um, we talked about Gherkin. I don't know what other news stories we should talk about. I mean, a lot has happened in the last month. But I think we've covered the main things, right? 
the Crimean Bridge, you and Matt talked about that, Sharkgate, the NATO conference. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we've yeah. already covered that, so I won't regurgitate that. Uh, unless you have any other news stories to say, we can move on to company, the copium. Well, yeah, I, I do want to actually, I, I went and found this article from Bloomberg because it's, you, you know, these, I, I want to read a paragraph and another line from it mm. just because I think this is, and it's not, this is not just like some staff writer. This is the tagline is the editors. So this is like Bloomberg is using their editors to state, to state this. And I, I just want to read it because Bloomberg and previously, they can be a little bit soft pro, pro money, I would say. Um, of course, they are like the financial magazine right. of record. But um, I think this is pretty, pretty condemning of the way that other journalists have reacted to this. Um, quote, this is the first paragraph, and I'll read one line later. It's from July 27th, if anybody else wants to find it, and it's titled, How to Defeat Putin's Grain Blockade. Quote, as, war, as the war in Ukraine grinds on, Vladimir Putin has again resorted to weaponizing food supplies, attacking Ukraine's grain silos, and withdrawing from a deal to allow food exports through the Black Sea to Turkey. As ever, Putin's aim is to hurt Ukraine while wringing concessions from Ukraine's partners and testing their resolve. The West must ensure he fails. And then going down a little bit in the paragraph to the fifth paragraph, uh, quote, the U.S. and other countries provide naval escorts for civilian ships when Iran blocked Kuwaiti oil tankers in the 1980s. But any such operation today would require Turkey's active cooperation, which Ankara has ruled out, end quote. Uh, and that just goes into the rest of their argument, which is a little bit more detailed. And I can't read it all out here, but they're basically calling for equivalent NATO ships to help protect Ukrainian grain. And while you could say, you know, this is Bloomberg, they're very interested in the financial side of grain, uh, I think it's a little bit more than that. I think that this is the morally and ethically correct response is that the West must ensure he fails and that any country with a, right. a, a knock of moral integrity ought to ensure, and this is particularly Turkey, who has a huge responsibility to choose the right thing here, is that NATO must protect these grain ships and they must ensure that this messing with the world's food supplies uh, stops. And I, I, I just want to read that to emphasize that. Stop with the nonsense. Yeah. This is an incredibly important topic. Um, so yeah, if you want to read the full thing, it's titled How to Defeat Putin's Grain Blockade. Uh, and that might be an interesting conversation for listeners mm. to have with your friends um, and see where you can take that. And if you can change any minds... Uh, <laughs> with this line of topic yeah i think it's a good point i think like yeah, i have been a bit frustrated with some of the the whole discourse around like all the ukrainian allies you know ukraine hasn't got all the equipment they were promised uh, a lot of countries dither and at this point it just seems absurd because everything that was a, a line uh red has been nonsense there is a moral imperative to do this on so many reasons you know Defending a sovereign nation, preventing a wider war in Europe, actually ending the economic effects that have, you know, on a self-interested thing, you know, there have been knock-on effects to the economy, overstated by everyone, of course, but, you know, I think, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's every reason for West support, and going in half in isn't going to help, you know, the, the more you help, the quicker you help, 
the, the quicker the war be over and the quicker Putin will lose, which is in your interest. I just don't, I just don't see any justification. Uh, you know, I can understand some things such as, you know, I don't know. Okay, giving Ukraine nuclear weapons, I can see why it might be a case to not to do that. I, I can understand <laughs> that. Um, even whatever you think on that, <laughs> I think there's a reasonable thing. But, you know, when we're getting upset about, oh, should we send this kind of missile but not this one? It just seems really arbitrary to me. Or like, oh, you can't possibly fight back, or you can't possibly try to take Crimea, or oh, well, we, we don't want to like secure this. I, I, oh, we're not going to send you all the weapons. It just seems really wishy-washy and annoying and frustrating, and I just don't understand it. Um, yeah, especially when these are countries, some of them are very much like, yeah, we're on your side, but uh, you're going to have to sing in a year. Like, well, what? <laughs> I just, oh, I don't make sense. And then some people, you should be grateful if it wasn't for these allies, it would be worse. Sure, sure. And I think most people are grateful. But it doesn't mean you can't be, you can't go, you are not living up to your own promises when you're not sending everything you should have. I, I don't like this idea of you should be grateful. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I don't even know. Who yeah. About, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's really like childish child childish behavior to be like oh well we saved you ukraine now shouldn't you give me a you know give me some something back you should be grateful you should worship at our feet like that's just nonsense just i don't know like i don't think that's a big attitude i don't think any actual like people in leadership have those attitudes but people that i see i've seen people who should be quote you know the serious people have written that um, yes. I think they're just, eh, I don't know what they're doing. They're just in their own head. Yeah. It's egocentric. Yeah. Can we yeah. Move on to copium. Yeah. Let's get some more copium in. So, uh, I realized actually, uh, I've noticed we've had an uptick of listeners from, from what I understand that maybe aren't actually super familiar with NAFO, even if they follow us for whatever reason or other. And I feel like maybe we should explain a little bit about what is copium in the internet vernacular, just as a sort of refresher. Um, So copium is a term, well, opium and cope. Cope, so how much do you cope? How much do you, what what lies do you tell yourself about something uh, or tell others to sort of make yourself feel better? Now, this we had a section where we used used to laugh at funny things. It sort of mutated into just what nonsense is going on in the social media space, or just pro Russians in general. Like what's something that is laughable, tragic, tragically laughable, laughably tragic. Um, and yeah, I just thought I would give a little bit of a update, perhaps for newer listeners who might not know this parlance. That was all I, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I will go first, but actually a suggestion from Matt, who is not here today. Um, so he rightly said about Hirsch, um, completely uh, quoting something from supposedly a American uh, insider source or something like this, or anonymous source, I think he may have said. So this is a quote that Hirsch said is from a U.S. official. 
Zelensky has no plan except to hang on. It's as if he's an orphan, a poor waif in his underwear. I don't know if actually it should be waif or wife. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, and we have no real idea of what Zelensky and his crowd are thinking. Ukraine is the most corrupt and dumbest government in the world outside of Nigeria, and Biden's support of Zelensky can only come from Zelensky's knowledge of Biden, and not just because he was taking care of Biden's son. Okay, there's a lot going on here. First of all, you've got that's... you've got the Hunter wow. Biden conspiracy. This whole thing about like saying that Ukraine is more corrupt than Nigeria, that's like objectively not true. I believe Russia scores much higher as well. Um, <laughs> and this expression gives it all away. A poor waif or wife in his underwear. This is not an expression in English, but it is an expression in Russia. So this means one of two things. One, he is getting lies fed to him by Russia and just being told what to say. Or two, his insider source is a Russian pretending to be an American. That is very, both of them, he's really shown himself up here. Like, wait for wife, like, generally is used as a term of like a skin, very skinny person or in, in English, but like, I, I was curious, like, when do we use this word? Like, if you look at um, the a different definition, it just means a homeless, neglected, or abandoned person, but I've also heard it used to a young person who is thin. Okay, so I don't know who would use this phrase. And it says a lot about Seymour Hirsch in that yeah, what are his sources? It's kind of tragic to see him go this way from the guy who exposed like genuine lies in the US government about my lie to just, I think he just wanted more attention, has got more extreme. You know, he went to interview Assad. He, I think he just, he couldn't get past the idea that maybe other governments lie too. You know, not everything is some US conspiracy. I guess he's a person of his generation and he's got a bit old and mad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just find it really funny that he used this very Russian phrase. Never thought maybe I should change this or something and just repeated it. Did he not go? That's a weird expression. I've never heard that before. Because um, I've literally never heard that expression in my life. I Yeah, that's not that's not anything I've ever heard in my life either. If you Google waif in underwear or whatever, like, it's nothing. But if you Google it in Russian, it's a, it's, it's a, it is an expression. Um Yes, when you Google it, it just sums up with, well, actually, now there's stuff about this quote. And then you just get, like, wife <laughs> underwear. Um, and, um, yeah, that's about that's uh, about it. Actually, I, I wouldn't recommend searching that necessarily. You're probably going to get some weird ads now. Um, yeah, oh, dear. That's, that's fun. Uh, that That's probably a very funny moment. Um, and... So that's definitely one thing of Copium this week. What do you have? Yeah, so this week I'm going to go pick on the ostensible continuous loser, Donbass Davushka, who is a reminder, if you don't know who Donbass Davushka is, her real name is Sarah Bills. She lives in Washington State, uh, United States. She is not Russian. I don't believe she has any Russian heritage. And she has come up with this career of lies, and she pretends to be a woman living in the Donbass who has been shelled by Nazis. And she got her face after she was revealed. Uh, Her lies were revealed. She got her face in the Wall Street Journal, and she did a rebranding recently. If you go to uh, her, if you find her on Twitter, uh, you can mock her for this and you can remind her that she was in the Wall Street Journal along with everybody else that works with her. And uh, she did a rebranding recently. 
And uh, it, she has tried to be more geopolitically oriented. One of these quote unquote, very smart people who is a geopolitical understander. Um, but she has continued to do the uh, Russian woman and the Donbass stick. So basically, that was an explainer for who she is. Recently, there is a very shortly circulated video of Elijah Woods, who, if you know Elijah Woods, he played, uh, I should have Googled this, but I want to make sure he was Frodo. Yeah, Frodo. He was Frodo. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I should know that. I absolutely adore the Lord of the Rings. And there's a deep fake made of him that circulated and... Basically, he's telling Zelensky that he's a coke addict and he needs to go to rehab, which I don't quite understand. This has been actually a thing that has gone on almost the entire war. And I know because I've gotten several trolls suspended temporarily in the pre-Musk era of of Twitter or X or whatever it is for using this meme or using like President Zelensky's a drug addict. So somebody made a... A, a not high quality, but a decently passing and scarily good deep fake of Elijah Wood telling Zelensky to go to to drug rehab. And uh, this was quickly debunked by some outlets and it didn't circulate that much. But a day after this was debunked, and there is plenty of articles and you know explainers for debunking this, Donbass Tavushka went and shared this video and tried to amplify it again and tried to share this. Oh my God, Elijah Wood, a person who is addicted to drugs, which I don't even know if that's true, is telling Zelensky that he has all the signs of a drug addict and he must stop what he's doing and go to drug rehab. I'm not sure. Well, the audacity to share a deep fake after it has been widely debunked and there's like, actual journalists who are quickly debunking this and there's plenty of explainers uh while you're continuing to do your i'm a russian woman living in the donbass when you are in the wall street journal for living in washington state united states and being not russian and not from the donbass um that's a lot of copium there that's high (laughs) levels of copium (laughs) Um, stay relevant in some way, yes. shape, or form. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's my copium. Uh, that's the addiction. That is a real addiction, isn't it? This is putting the opium in copium. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. These people should really... go to. These people should go to rehab. That's that's the real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think like you might actually be. It, there might actually be an addiction to trying to stay relevant for her. I think there and... is. Yeah, no, I think there there really is if she's continuing with this. Um, but yeah, that's my copium this week. I think we can, I need to get going soon. I think we can wrap up. I think we should explain a little bit though about what to expect in the next, for our podcast for the next few weeks or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will hopefully have some guests coming up soon. But in the meantime, because uh, it's vacation time and Matt has done this for a while and he is going to be on vacation for a bit. So I will be co-hosting and editing and we, I think we can still come out with a regularly scheduled podcast now uh, in the month of August and early September, I will be the co-host, but Matt is not leaving us. He wishes everybody well and says hello, but yeah, so I will be here for a while. Uh, Thank you for letting me sit in the co-host seat, Joe. 
Um, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, yeah. The Great Pingu Coup. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have the Great Pingu Coup. I've taken over the driver's seat of the tank, and uh, I'm running it around, and uh, you cannot stop me. <laughs> it's all over. It's it's. <laughs> stop him. <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually don't know what's going on with. I know we have many guests and I know their names, but I don't know who we've got soon because, yeah, it's summer and a lot of them are academics and they're having like breaks now and stuff like this. So I don't know, I suppose. We'll see. I guess we will try to get an episode out every week or at least every two weeks, um, depending on what's going on. Um, my schedule has calmed down now. I should easily be able to squeeze in an episode a week. And we'll go from there. And let's see, by the time this is published, a whole load of other events will, may have happened. And um, we'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no, it's, uh, we're recording on, I guess, for the sake of preservation. This is 29 July, uh, Saturday. Yep. So we have probably a day or two before this is published which is plenty of time for Prigozhin to I don't know start another coup um <laughs> oh yeah right before I remember now uh in the last podcast you were that before the coup I guess it's been a while uh you mentioned well I guess something might crazy crazy might happen and yes. then there was the coup so um <laughs> and nothing will surprise me anymore no no nothing will surprise me anymore no uh and uh that day when you were recording live with matt uh the bridge was hit and you were like oh the bridge is hit that was quite uh, <laughs> funny uh. yes yeah yeah waking up to the bridge having a moment uh was quite entertaining that was quite entertaining yeah okay i think we can wrap up yeah uh that's good for me Cool. Well, thank you, Pingu, and look forward to having you as co-host for the next bit of time. And thank you for listening, guests, and we'll have episodes with guests. Well, hmm, I just said guests in two sentences. Thank you, listeners, and we will have some guests soon, I hope. <laughs> uh, to, and if not, it will be me and Pingu talking about things we want to talk about. You're stuck with us. <laughs> um, thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you.